Hey, welcome to The Bitterest Pill. I'm Dan Class. I'm in my garage. Under the flight path of Los Angeles International Airport. I'm a failed actor, former comedian, stay-at-home dad, shut-in. This podcast is the only thing keeping me sane. Welcome to my head. Hey, that actually wasn't so bad. I just did that just now. And maybe that's the new intro because I'm tired of editing the hell out of the... You know what I mean? After I record the show and then editing all those things from the... Okay. Hi. Hey, it's Dan Class. I just said all that stuff. So you know who this is and where I am. Congratulations. You know what? I got to tell you something before we get started. I'm very concerned that right now, the biggest mouse I've ever seen is in the studio. Now, the other night I was, uh, I guess this is last night, I was barbecuing. And as I go back and forth from the house to the barbecue, obviously barbecue outside, um, I saw a tail going under the door of the garage. And, you know, we have, uh, uh, you know, possums. It didn't look like a possum tail. So I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought, hey, listen, whatever went in there, it'll come out. I don't you know. What am I, a girl? <laughs> that was a horrible thing to say. I know. Okay. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Because I'm very protective of the girls because my girls, my ladies, the females that live here do not like uh, the critters. So at one point, there was that perfect triangulation where I'm standing at the barbecue and I don't really have enough lights on back there. And I can hear that my wife has come out the back door and that my daughter is standing in the back door of the house with the door open. And as all these things are happening at the same time, I see the mouse. Now, the mouse is the size of a large rat. But it's not a rat. A rat is a rat. You've seen a rat. Like, when they made ratatouille, they nailed rats. I mean, that is a rat. That's what it looks like. Its proportions are like ratatouille. It walks like, not when ratatouille's, you know, making a souffle, but normal when, when normal Remy is running through Paris. Not when he's talking, but when he's just being rat-like, that's what a rat is like. They kind of are low and they do their thing. This was a mouse. You know how mouse are kind of like bouncy? This was like a gigantic bouncy mouse. It was horrifying. And it was coming right for me. And I started yelling at it like, hey, mouse, don't come for me. Now, don't come for the girls, especially don't come for the girl. But don't come for me. So I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm waving my spatula at this mouse. But then I realized that I am kind of waving it towards my wife. So I have to wave the spatula. Then I have to run towards my wife. My wife, luckily, she does run away, but the mouse goes back in the garage. But now the mouse is in the garage and my wife knows the mouse is in the garage. Now, again, a mouse in the garage does not bother me. It's not the first time we we used to have this big bag of bird seed or not uh, grass seed in the in a part of the garage that was a long time ago. And apparently mice like to live and eat and frolic and play in grass seed. I had no idea. Now, what does bother me, though, is the prospect that the mouse, the, the biggest mouse I've ever seen is in here where I sit to record, where I'm sitting right now, because this is a a small confined space and and it could have easily walked right in the hole in the wall that we put in there for the air conditioning unit. It could have just walked in here and it could be in here. So if I suddenly, I'm I'm in the middle of some insanely uh, insightful story, I like that'll happen. And suddenly you hear me scream. uh, That's why. Because I have seen, heard, or been touched by a large mouse. Hey, listen, have you recovered from the fact that Apple put U2 on your phone? Apparently, this week, let's discuss this week. This week, there was such a hullabaloo. Hullabaloo is an old 50s word for a kerfuffle. About, I guess... What, what Apple had a their big launch, you know, they had their big thing and they're, they're trying to sell the iPhone 6 already. And that's fine. And they love you, too. They've loved you, too, for a long time. Haven't we all loved you, too? 
And apparently Apple paid a lot of money to give away U2's latest album through iTunes. And so everybody starts going ape feces over the fact that that Apple's putting U2 on their phones. Apple didn't put anything on your phone. They certainly did not put anything on my phone. You, Apple gave you the ability to, for free, download the new YouTube album. They didn't shove it onto your phone. At least they didn't shove it onto my phone. It took me 30 minutes to figure out how to download it. Because it, because it was there, but it wasn't there. And I went to iTunes, and it was there, but it said purchase. And I said, fine, so download my purchased music. It was like, no. But everyone was acting. Like, uh, and I guess they're not U2 fans, you know what I'm saying? But everyone was acting like Apple's putting things on my... No, not really. Just like when you when you open up Safari, Apple isn't putting the entire internet into your phone. It's just giving you access to the internet. That's all it's doing. The same is true, right, with the U2. You, you just have access to U2. U2 is not in your phone. Now, and then I find out that some people are on auto download, automatically download my purchases. Really? Then that's your fault. You flipped that switch, baby. I can't, I can't help you there. You know what? It's really like two finger swipes to delete U2. We've got to get over this. You know, we really do. We got to settle down. Free U2 is not a bad thing. Listen, I I used to be so mad for free music. I would download any piece of garbage that U2 had on, or that, uh, not U2, that uh, iTunes would put on as the free single. Here's an entire album by, like, uh, what are they, considered the biggest rock band of all time or something? Arguably up there with the Stones. Maybe even the, well, I dare, I I won't say the Beatles because then everybody will go apeshit, but you know what I mean. Anyway, whatever. We're just, we're looking for things to get upset about. Although I guess I am slightly upset. I just read a thing 10 seconds ago before I sat down here, and then we won't go on this tangent for very long, my friend. But I'm just saying that Mark Zuckerberg has decided that uh, drag queens are not allowed to use their stage names on Facebook. Specifically, drag performers are not allowed to use their stage character persona name on Facebook because uh, Facebook has a policy that you're not supposed to use a fake name or a pseudonym of any kind. It it apparently is supposed to foster some... (laughs) Ah, some, like, utopian society where there's transparency because we'll all... Really? Okay. Well... You better tell that to Bono and The Edge and Sting. I know you mentioned it to Boy George already. You started with him. I know this is a drag thing, but listen. So what? Now all rock stars, all comedians, Whoopi Goldberg, Louis C.K., Gallagher. Is that even his real name? He must have a first name or a last name or whatever that is. Right? Beyonce, Kesha, J- Ice Cube. Does Ice Cube now start having, right? Does he have to go by... O'Shea Jackson on Facebook because it's his personal quote-unquote profile and not a page? Do I have to go by Daniel P. Class? It's ridiculous. I just, I want to know what Mark Zuckerberg has against either, either what Mark Zuckerberg has against drag queens or what he's trying to hide from us about his attitudes towards drag. I'm just saying. Methinks thou doth protest too much, my liege. So I do have a couple of um, storylets to discuss with you. Now, last time I mentioned that I worked with a Muppet. And I suppose we should discuss that because I said I was going to discuss it. And then we're going to talk about back to school night. And then getting food afterwards. Okay, but let's begin with the Muppet thing. Now, there's really actually not much of a story here. I'm going to warn you right now. This is me making a Sills purse. Silk. <laughs> Hi there. This is me making something out of nada. Making mucho out of nada. Comprendo? Si vous plaît, por favor, si. 
Mais mon Dieu, oui. Origato gamasta. That is the extent of my multilingualness. So, uh, I am, um, I don't like to discuss my age because you know how old I am and it's sad. It's sad. I, 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 I try to have a youthful voice, but you know that I'm just a crotchety old man. And now my, my physical biological age is actually catching up to how ornery and curmudgeon-y I am, which is fine. In fact, tomorrow I think is my birthday. Is that true? Yeah, tomorrow's my birthday. Jeez. Anyway, where was I going with that? Oh, so so in the era that I grew up, old guys like me, old guys like me that are still just like old, but not actually old men. Like I'm old, trust me, but I'm not an old man. I just feel like an old man and I'm starting to look and act and smell like an old man. But I grew up on Sesame Street. I mean, that's really where I grew up. I was born in California. I was raised in, uh, you know, upstate New York, let's say. But really, I grew up in a lot of ways on Sesame Street. And then after Sesame Street, uh, in a way, on the Muppets. Now, the Muppets, I've always talked about the Muppets <clears throat> with a certain reverence. And the main reason is this. Listen, my father is a very quiet guy, and he used to work a lot. And then he would come home and it was the 70s and 80s or whatever. So, you know, I, I, I'm, listen, I was a mama's boy. My dad would go on these long business trips or whatever. So we weren't, you know what I mean? There was certain, uh, like his relationship with me is so different than my relationship with my son. It's obviously just a huge generational thing. And I'm not complaining about it, but I'm saying uh, my father's very quiet. And so, you know, what, right? But. Uh, my, I have these insanely vivid memories of my dad, my very quiet, reserved dad, sitting in a reclining chair in our little TV room in Fairport, New York, whenever it was on, and laughing his ass off to the Muppets. Laughing at the Muppets like I had never seen him laugh at anything. Anything. And, you know, he used to watch... All the, you know, all in the family and laughing. We, we grew up on all like the, the great comedy. We'd see all the stand up guys anytime Cosby was on. You don't understand? Something about the Muppets. That wonderful blend of reality and, and surreality of like straight up silly, goofy, childish comedy with really fun satire. Like it was just crazy. Just tears. Tears rolling down this man's face like I had never seen before. And frankly, like, I'm not even sure I've, I've seen since. There was just some weird magical thing for him about the Muppets. So years later, this is when I'm a teenager. Okay. So years later, I'm out of college and uh, I had moved to New York City and I needed a job. And I got a job as... I think they still called it a secretary back in those days. I actually think I was a secretary. It was right at the beginning, during the segue where we started calling everybody an assistant. When, let's face it, you were, were a secretary. I mean, I literally would, I wouldn't take dictation, but the one of the people that I worked for would record things, you know, memos or whatever. I, I guess they were memos, yeah. Record them onto tiny little tapes, and then I would put them in a machine that I controlled with my foot. It had like a little gas pedal and you would listen and stop and type and listen and stop and type and listen and stop and type. And I would listen and stop and type into, oh my God, what was that program? All I know is that it was back when computers were, you know, the screens were black and then the type was green and you had a C prompt. It was all DOS. And right before I left that job, one of one person got a Macintosh. It was the most mind blowing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Who knew that 30 years later, the Macintosh people would be mad, uh, would be in trouble for giving us U2. So, so I was fired from that job. And now I'm pretty sure I was let go from that job because I was a horrible secretary. And it had nothing to do with the fact that one night my two friends of mine and I were 
duplicating a videotape for one of the bosses. I think I'm pretty sure this is how it went. See, my friend that got me the job was Bosco. And I'm, I don't think this was of his volition. I think his boss at the time actually put him up to it. But we were sitting in one of the offices next to my boss's. I don't think it was my boss's office. Although it could have been. All I know is that there were three of us in an office in Manhattan in the late 80s. And my boss walked in while we were duplicating a Tracy Lord's video. Now, today, that would get you immediately, probably not even just thrown from the building. You'd probably be arrested and brought up on child pornography charges or God knows what. All I know is she walked in, saw the screen, saw us, and backed out. So that job ended. And I end up somehow getting a job with a guy. And I kind of knew the guy somehow through the the other job, the first job that that I mentioned. But anyway, this guy, Martinelli. So Martinelli hired me to go work at Ideal Toys. Martinelli was working on this new toy project that was really hush-hush at the time. And I've probably told you this before. It was a super hush-hush Ideal Toy program uh, thing. Now, you know who I, I mean, does that even still exist, Ideal? It was Viewmaster Ideal. So they made Viewmasters and they made a bunch of toys. And we were, I was working as his assistant slash protege, whatever. He was a video producer. And then also on the team was the toy producer, this British woman named Tina from England. And then there was a head programmer. And then they all had people under them. And we were making what was to be the first interactive video toy. And again, this is in the 80s. So to make to make an interactive video toy in the 80s, this was the easiest thing they could figure out. Because what they wanted, they wanted you to be able to put, and I'm going to start using some arcane language, kids. So if, right, if this is a podcast you learned about from your parents, you can have them translate some of this stuff. They wanted the user to to be able to put a tape in their VCR, a VHS tape, and have the VHS tape play. And as it played, the child could interact with the show. And some crazy Belgian engineers had figured out a way, and I'm pretty sure my non-disclosure has expired since 1988, 89, whatever it was, 87. What the, Basically what they figured was... Uh, A normal VHS has stereo audio, two tracks, left and right. What if we take one of those and make it mono, and then we'll have the other one, and the other one we can put computer programming on? And then we'll run the code through this box that'll be between the VCR and the joystick, and then people can interact with the programming. Now listen, by today's standards, this is nothing. In 1987, this was the craziest thing I had ever seen. Because you really could hook this thing up. And there was this tape you could put in your VCR and Kermit would come on. And Kermit would say, hey everybody, Kermit the Frog here. Hey, uh, do you want me to call you Chief or Princess? If you want to be called Chief, press the blue button. If you want to be called Princess, press the red button. Okay, press it now. And then you would press one of the buttons. And then for the rest of the show, Kermit would call you chief or princess. I'm not kidding. It was brilliant. You could play little like, I mean, super, but, you know, keep in mind what the the state of the art was, even in a video game. I mean, this is back when Pac-Man was still fairly awesome. So. You could play rudimentary games and you could do those things where it would remember your input, like calling you princess or whatever, and it would keep score. And so you would play a little game where you'd swat flies with the professor in that weird test tube thing or whatever. And Kermit would come on and Fozzie. It was this whole thing. And they had a deal with Jim Henson and the Muppets and a couple other companies to create content that they would overlay, uh, you know, this video programming. So we worked on this for a while and I didn't know anything. I was, I mean, I was a gopher. I would just, you know what I mean? I was just kind of a gopher and I would sit around in my office and, you know, whatever. 
I would take town cars around town, dropping off equipment every once in a while, and I would order lunch. That was my biggest thing, was ordering lunch. And if you've ever worked in Manhattan, ordering lunch is very easy. Because if you're lucky, like I was, Martinelli was as big of a rut eater as I am. So Martinelli wanted the same thing every day. He wanted a, like a BLT on wheat, light mayo, and uh, an apple juice or something. Okay? So I decided I would just have the same. Because I like BLTs. I'd like a little, little mayo on there. So we would call this deli. And I would say every day, I'm calling in a delivery order for Viewmaster. And the guy would say, the usual. And I would say, yep. And it would show up. And that was it. And you know that 10,000 people go through that deli every day. Manhattan is insane. There's not a deli in Manhattan that isn't just, right, chock full of nuts at lunchtime. And all I had to do every day was call up and go, order for Viewmaster, the usual, yep, and it would show up. Now, the big point, though, is that one day I got to go to Henson and see the Muppets. See, I saw Kermit. Like the real Kermit, where he really was. With Frank Oz doing Miss Piggy or something, and Jim Henson. And they did it in this beautiful brownstone in Manhattan. I mean, it was exactly what you'd hope. And I sat in this little room off to the side, and I just stared. Because it's one of those things you know how things work, but you think you know how things work, or maybe you don't know how things work. And I had seen some dailies, so I knew, you know, yeah, they're obviously they're holding puppets above a table or something, like in the professor's lab, right? They're above, they're, they got their arms up above a table. But to see Jim Henson do it, and to see Frank Oz do it, and the other guys do it with their little headsets and headbands on. And it turns out that, you know, they're smart guys. So the table isn't the height of a table. The table's high. So they don't have to lie on the floor all day. They're, you know what I mean? The whole thing is raised up. Everything's built way above the floor. So they can walk around because some puppets, you know, some Muppets are two men operations where one guy works the mouth and maybe a hand and another guy works another hand or something. Well, this was really about the coolest thing I had ever seen. Now, why I didn't make a bigger effort to go over there, I think I was just so intimidated by the whole thing. Being in that space with Jim Henson and those guys that I never went back. I never, you know, arranged to do that, which I don't think really would have taken that much. I was busy, but I wasn't that busy. Trust me. I'm sure there was something that needed to get picked up or dropped off over at Henson or whatever. You know what I mean? And in my mind, and this, and, I, and I'm, it's weird how memory works because I don't think this is true. In my mind, I saw that Jim Henson had passed away on the cover of People magazine as I was going through the airport to move to California. But I don't think that's true. I think, I, I think it was actually returning from like a weekend visit with Melissa. I don't know. I, I should look that up. The, the, the romantic in me, the storyteller in my brain goes, no, as you were leaving New York, you found out that Jim Henson had passed away. Somewhere in somewhere here, and I should just digitize it someday, somewhere in this garage, and I really don't know where, it might even be in this very room, I have a tape of, of um, Muppet bloopers from this thing, from this project. And all the bloopers, I, would, I used to get, haul them out every couple of years and watch them because there's nothing funnier than seeing puppets flub their lines because all those guys stay in character. They don't flub their line and then stop moving the mouth and, and Jim Henson or whoever right, would do the voice like, hey, darn, I messed up my line. Like they stay in character. So fast forward, you know, how many years is this from 19? I, I mean, that must have been you know, I don't know, 87 into 88, something like that, that I was working at Ideal Viewmaster. 
Now, the project got shelved. I left before it would have gone to market, but it was supposed to go to market fairly shortly after I left Manhattan, and it just never did. Viewmaster got sold, and I think the whole thing just was too big a pain in the ass. Uh, and nobody was interested. And, and I think, too, you know, they knew, listen, we just got to be patient. Video discs will catch on or something, some computer thing. It'll just be so much easier. Let's just, this is not working. So fast forward however many years later, and here we are in 2014. And I'm an old man, and I'm an actor, and I'm still intimidated by celebrities, or people that I consider to be celebrities, right? And I actually got a chance to work with a Muppet. Now, it wasn't Kermit or Fozzie or anything like that, but I was cast in a commercial for LendingTree.com. And I don't know if you've ever seen those commercials, but there's a puppet, kind of a Muppet-like puppet in those commercials. And his name is either Len or Lenny. I don't remember. One is the guy and a puppet. And one of them's Len and one of them's Lenny. And, and the one that's a puppet is, 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 is it turns out, is, an, is a real Muppet. He's not just a puppet that looks like a He's an actual Jim Henson, Henson Corp whatever, whatever, Muppet. He's a real Muppet. So I go to the set and I'm really excited because I get to work with real Henson puppeteers just like I saw back in Manhattan. And so I meet the the human actor that I'm doing the scene with and I keep waiting. The commercial should be coming out soon. I mean, we, we did this in March or something. I don't even know. It's been ages. So the commercial is, you'll see, I think, in November. I play a jerk that works at a bank, and I'm trying to sell uh, the human on a bunch of loans or something. And as I do this, um, the puppet walks by the window outside the bank and gets, gets our attention. And then the three of us play charades because the puppet's trying to tell the human that he should just go to LendingTree.com. Ha, 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 right? Of course. So it's a very cute idea, and apparently I did a good job in the audition because I got the part. So I'm on the set. The director's awesome. Oh, his last name is escaping me right now. Nick, uh... oh, Nick, I'm so sorry. Why? It's the... it's starting to get hot in here, so my brain is going. Nick. Ha, darn it. Okay. Anyway, the, the director was awesome. He's one of those directors that actually talked to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I like the director to talk to me. And say things like, hey, how you doing? How's it? I, I want to, and, and like really, like he really was kind of anal about the humor and getting the comedy. And I love that. I love it. I would have done it for a week. I would have worked on that one thirty second commercial. Fine with me. Let's work it. Let's, let's do it. Dude, I'll work all day and night. Yeah. So I just, I was so happy. I'm on the set. So that's the bit, right? The bit is the two of us are sitting there, the two humans, and I'm like, "Hey, there's we got auto loans and uh, we got homeowners loans, we got personal loans. What you know? What can I do for you? You know?" And then the puppet comes and we start playing charades, and so the puppet, the Muppet, I shouldn't say puppet because it's a Muppet. Again, this is a Jim Henson Muppet. It takes three guys to work this puppet. One of them is the mouth and the voice. And one of them is either the hand or both hands or another hand or something. And then the other guy is just kind of like a spotter to make sure no one dies. And so I really don't kind of get to meet the Muppet guys at first because they're outside. But I'm kind of waving to the puppet and the puppet's kind of waving at me and the puppet's looking at me. And I'm like, can you see me? And he's like, yeah, I can see you. And I'm like, okay, this is getting a little creepy, man. So eventually I got to go outside because I have to chase the puppet. I hope some, I hope there's a bunch of stuff we shot that may not be in the commercial. I hope it ends up in the commercial where I chase the puppet. And so I have to chase the pup. The, I keep saying puppet, but it's not a puppet. That's the point. It's a Muppet. I'm chasing a Muppet. I am chasing a Muppet down the sidewalk in Long Beach. Which means there's a guy with a headband on and a microphone lying on a, almost like a skateboard being pushed by another guy who has to stay real low so he's out of the shot, and another guy on top of the guy on top of the skateboard, making the hands look like the hands are running, 
It's awesome. Now, the really awesome thing too is, so during one of the points where, I don't know what, they were changing lights or something, I don't know, I'm kind of standing around having a little drink of water and I notice on, we're shooting in a bank, obviously, and then on one, you know, the area where you go and write out your deposit slip if you didn't do it at home, you know what I mean? On one of those things is laid out someone's personal artifacts. And it turns out it's the personal artifacts of the the main puppet guy, the guy who does the mouth and the voice of Len or Lenny, the pup, the Muppet. And it is Jim Henson, Henson Company, whatever, newsletters from 1981 or something, 1982, 1987. I don't know. But when this guy was a fan of the Muppets and he subscribed to this mailing list and would write them letters and all that, he's got this all, I mean, it was just fantastic. See all this just... His personal love of the Muppets, his journey, basically, right, just before us. And just through a weird, non-related, obviously, just coincidentally, how bizarre. The next day, Jim Henson Jr. passed away. I think that's who it was. Jim Henson's son, Jim Henson Jr., like the next day. So I felt like I kind of got kind of squeezed in right at that last second of some sort of era. A post-Jim, Jim II era. And hopefully I'll get to work with them, you know, in the era after that. I would, I would love it. It would, it would be an honor. Because I'm in a position, this is a segue, I think. Uh, although I got to open the door, man. It's getting hot in here. I'm, I, I'm in a, you know, I got to work. I got to work wearing work, right? I got to work. I got to work. I got to work, man. Because, so, listen, you know I consider myself in, incredibly successful. And by incredibly successful, I mean, someone who has wasted their life. So listen, no, I'm okay. I make recordings in my garage. I get it. I should make, I should write a book or make a movie. I know I'm 67 years old and I, I can barely move anymore. I'm ready to just give up. So what, what is really one of the most intimidating things for me because of my low self-esteem, because at heart, I'm a comedian and we're all insane I have very low self-esteem, right? So because and and that's how I can come in a box and and tell you the intimate details of my life. One of the most harrowing things to me is to go to an event at my son's high school. Now, for longtime listeners, you know that little tiny Hudson man, who I think was six, five, he must have been five when we started this, because we're coming up on the ten, the end of ten years. Oh, oh, there's my wife. Hold on. Yeah, hold on just a sec. Yeah, they're on their way home. So, so uh, one of the most intimidating things for me is obviously to go to an event at my son's high school. My son goes to a private high school in Santa Monica called Wild Winds. And because it's a private school and because it's in Santa Monica, a lot of very successful people send their kids there. Uh, celebrities captains of industry, etc. Uh, you know, writers, producers, you know, Hollywood types, corporate type, who, who knows? I have no idea. All I know is the ones that I know about. You know what I mean? And I think I've told you before, there's, there's an, you know, like a list movie star who has a, a child in my son's grade. Now, I, I really usually only find out about the ones in my son's grade. So God only knows who goes to school there. You know what I'm saying? But there's, like I said, and I can't name names and I won't, I really won't. Because I feel like they must, they, they need, uh, I, I, how do I put this? I'm getting so hot in here. Damn it. Um, I think they have an expectation of privacy at school. And when it comes to kids, I would, I would never, you know, whatever. So I can't tell you who these people are. Now, once their kid doesn't go to that school anymore, I'll tell you exactly who everybody is. Okay. That's, that's our deal. So there's an A-list movie star who has a, child in my son's grade 
and an a like a TV star, like a guy who's star. Right, I told you, there's a TV star who has a child in my son's grade, and then as, as it turns out, a guy who's you know who you would know from a bunch of movies that he did, but that was kind of a while ago. And uh, you know, you know the guy that created those two sitcoms, and his wife who runs that network, and all that. Right, we're talking like, and then you know me, the guy who really my biggest claim to fame is that I've been recording in my basement like Rupert Pupkin for 10 years. Okay? So So what I do to get through these situations is I try I try to figure out how to act normal. And really what I do is I just focus on hoping to see the A-list movie star because I haven't seen him yet. My son has seen him. I my wife maybe No, I don't think she even saw him. I think she almost saw him. Yeah, no. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So looking at my son Hudson's um, schedule, okay, he has a class with the child of the TV star, maybe a couple classes with, with that kid. And then he had, a, he had a class with the child of the movie star. So I figure if I go to back to school night and yeah, I'll have to sit through all those presentations and whatnot, but I might get a really good look at this movie star in a tiny little high school classroom. This will be awesome. And the class they have together is music production. So I finally, I get there. We have to, of course, you know, because my wife is working, she's working 40 miles away. So by the time she can get up, I get whatever. I'm a little bit late, but not so late. So I get my schedule. Because what we're going to do is we're going to follow, you know, kind of a version of our child's schedule. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I get the schedule and I look on there and music production is on the schedule. So I say, great. So when third period or whatever it is rolls around, I wonder if the movie star will even be in there. That would be really wild. Don't think about the fact that you make about $25 a year and all of these other people are multi, multi, multi millionaires. Don't think about that. Don't think about the fact that these are among the most successful people in the nation, if not the world, and you are a Manny. Don't think about that. Just think about you might in third period in music production, you just might see a movie star. And maybe on your way home, you can get a, a copy of People magazine because that's how exciting your life is. You're basically star spotting. So first period, you know, first period come, then they let us out second period or whatever. So I get to third period. And when I get there, there's a bunch of people in there. And in all the commotion and everything, it's very hard for me to juggle my map and my schedule, and it's getting dark. It's really dark there. It is not a nighttime school. It is very dark already. So I don't know if that's the previous class that's been held over or if that's the class I'm supposed to be in. Is that second period late or third period early? I have no idea what's going on. So I kind of hang back. And then a couple of women come and just kind of go in there, and no one's coming out. Maybe one guy came out. So I'm like, all right, forget it. I got to go in there. So I go in and I stand in the back and I look around in third period music production. And I don't see a movie star. There's no, there's, he's, he's, he's not there. He's not there. Which is fine because you know what? I'm, I'm actually very curious about music production. They're using Pro Tools. I'm a podcaster. I've recorded a few things speaking uh, recordings. So I'm kind of interested in what they're going to do. So I, I sit kind of off to the left, but in the front, because that's what's available. I hate the front, but that's where I'm sitting. I'm sitting in the front. And the teacher's in the middle. So I'm kind of on the left in the front. So I'm to kind of turn diagonally facing the teacher, facing kind of towards the right half of the room. And I see the guy in my exact seat on the other side of the room. And he's sort of, I'm kind of facing him in a way and he's kind of facing me in a way. And he kind of catches my eye because he looks a little familiar. And so every once in a while, I'll, if it's, you know, 
if it's not too weird. I kind of glance over at this guy, but I can't place, I mean, I can, I can recognize the face, but I can't place the face. And I just keep thinking, you know, cause, cause we know a couple of people that go to school there with my daughter that are actors, working actors that you would definitely recognize, but whose name you couldn't come up with. And they're very successful working actors, but you don't know who they are. In, in a way, like you're like, oh, I've seen that guy on something. Was he on like Chicago Hope or something or Scandal or was that guy on? Was he like a reoccurring on, uh, you know, you know, uh, CSI something? I don't know. So there's a lot of people like that around and some of them are going to be in the school. Right. So I just figure this actor guy, I just can't figure out where I've seen him. And it's starting to really upset me. And so I'm kind of listening to the teacher and I, uh, he's kind of talking about now it's music production but he's actually talking a little bit about music theory and he's talking about rock and roll and he's like yeah i was talking and he's like this young hip dude you know he's really like yeah that's a good teacher for music production you know he's just like a young hip guy from probably spain or somewhere you know so it's like yeah you know and i was talking to the kids and i was asking them what is rock and roll you know rock and roll is like rebellion and youth and he's going on and on about rock and roll and punk rock and you know, doing what your parents didn't do to try to establish your own thing and be rebellious and youthful and rock and roll and rock and roll. And I'm looking at this guy and I just can't place him. And third period eventually ends. And at some point I ask a question like, are they going to be recording any real instruments? And he's like, nah, you know, MIDI. And if they can plug in a guitar or whatever, but no, you know, it's really hard to record. And we start talking about that a little bit and then it's over. So I go to fourth period, fifth period, whatever, the, the TV stars in the whatever class they have together. It's kind of a real, you know, you know, TV stars, I got to tell you something. They're, they're handsome. You know what? The TV star is a handsome guy. I barely got a good look at him. I just kind of saw him in profile. I did not take a picture of him. So don't ask. But he's like, just like this normal, but really like if normal people were handsome as hell, he's like, he looked like that. Because that's the thing in California. A movie star in normal life apparently wears very casual looking clothes that are probably worth, uh, you know, $20,000, but it's a t-shirt and jeans and like the perfect glasses and the perfect hair. It's, it's like us if we were a thousand times better. So uh, my wife and I, so, so the night ends. So I didn't see the movie star. I saw some, you know, I shouldn't say B-level actors. I saw a working actor that I can't place. I saw the TV star. I didn't see the other guy from the movies from a while back, which I actually would have liked to have seen him, but I don't know what he looks like anymore. And the deal was that my wife was going to feed the kids. So, of course, I'm not even out of last period and my wife is calling me, asking me if I'm out yet, even though it's 830 and I told her the thing went till nine. She's calling me at 825. So she says, oh, you know, we got out of dance late or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Can you pick something up for the kids on the way home? So I say, yeah, I'll get some crazy chicken. OK. That that will be the good thing. I think Tulu will eat it left over the next day. So I'm going to go to Crazy Chicken. And what I get at Crazy Chicken is I go through the drive-thru. I get three crunchy chicken tacos for my son. And I get a taquito for my daughter and some white you know, breast meat for my daughter. And then some of the bread, I'll get a little extra because she'll eat the breast meat. I don't want to eat, but she'll eat the breast meat or I'll eat it left over. We'll both eat it left over. So it's usually a really good deal. It's really good breast meat. We get the breast meat. We get the breast meat. So. So I drive from Santa Monica back to LAX, where we live, under the flight path. And I go over to Crazy Chicken. And they got quite a line going, you know, whatever, It's which is kind of weird, because by this point, it is 9 o'clock, 9.15 at night on a, what is this, Wednesday? So I get up to the speaker, and they say, hello, uh, you know, welcome to Crazy Chicken. Uh, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, can I take your order? Yes. I'd like a three-piece. This is what I always order the same thing. I'd like a three-piece combo, but with three breasts. And then I pause. And then they say, that's going to be an extra charge for the breasts. Is that okay? And I say, yes. 
because they have to warn you if they're going to charge, you know, it's not the regular combo price if it's all breasts. You're only supposed to get one breast. If you want two or three, you got to pay like another whatever dollar twenty-five per breast. So I say, as I always say, and you know where this is going, hide like a three-piece combo with three breasts. And I pause and the guy says, we're out of breasts. And I say, what did you say? And he says, we're out of breasts. Yeah. Um, and wings. We ran out this afternoon. And I, um, really? Like, how does that happen? You're called crazy chicken. Chicken is in the name of the restaurant. Crazy chicken. And this has happened before. Like, I don't understand how this can happen more than one time. I can understand how it could happen one time because one time, like on some Tuesday, you run out of breasts and wings. You're like, holy crap, I guess we can run out. We got to make sure we order more from now on. See, that's what that's what the manager is supposed to actually do. I don't know what he's doing over there at Crazy Chicken, but that's what they should do. The first time they run out, he'd be like, if we don't buy X, then it will run out. So let's buy more. And then it doesn't happen. And I want to know why when they run out of chicken at Crazy Chicken, you know, there's a, right? There's a grocery store three blocks away. Get someone to run their ass down the street and buy some chicken. And then cook it and sell it to me. Right? Why is that impossible? So I'm trying not to scream into the thing because I'm just like, ah. And I look behind me because now, right, I can't go forward. There's no chicken for me to buy. I can't go home without breasts. My daughter can't eat taquitos for dinner. It's not happening. It's not happening. So I'm going to back out. And go to a different crazy chicken because it's Los Angeles. There's a crazy chicken every three blocks. But now there's five cars ahead of me and five cars behind me. So I'm stuck sitting in the drive-thru at crazy chicken with no intention of buying chicken. So I wait and I wait and I wait and I wait. I finally get out of there. And I go over to the other crazy chicken, which again, uh, granted, is only a couple of miles away. And I roll up on that crazy chicken and I say to the girl, hello, how are you? Fine, whatever. Can I help you? Yes, I'd like, uh, here we go, a three-piece combo with three breasts, pause, and she says... It's going to be an extra charge for the two breasts. Is that okay? And I say, you better believe it's okay. And she takes the rest of my order, which is a taquito and crunchy chicken tacos and a da 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 and thing and thing and thing. And I go up to the window and she tells me my total and I give her my credit card and she runs my credit card. And the next thing I know, she's giving me a bag of food and I'm so happy. And then I have that hour long debate with myself that you kind of you have to get through this hour long debate in about a split second. And the debate is this. Because when I pick up to go food or whatever through the drive-thru when I'm with the kids, I I have them check the bag. But I'm with myself and it's by now 9.30. And I'm exhausted and the kids need to eat. And so I have that like, should I check the bag? Or should I just get the hell out of here? I really want to get the hell out of here. But you know what? I should check the bag. So I do. I pull, because I don't want to check the bag. I, I, it's not me. I can't. I mean, what a real American would do is just sit there in front of the girl and check the bag like, I know you're an idiot. And just to prove it, I'm going to check. So I can't do that. I can't. So I, I pull up and I park and I go through the bag. And sure enough, there's the three breasts. They look so good. They're right off the little grill thingy, the crazy grill. 
And the tortillas are in there, the flour tortillas, just like I ordered. And my receipt is right there. And nothing else. Just the breasts. Just the breasts. This boy loco has breasts. And that's all they gave me. No tacos. And no taquitos. So, I leave my car in park. In the parking spot. And I go into Crazy Chicken. By foot. The whole point of going through a drive-thru is not going into Crazy Chicken on foot. So as I'm walking into Crazy Chicken on foot, I'm passing, I have to cross the drive-thru line, and the girl is literally hanging out the window like, Hello, I've got your tacos. I'm like, yeah. So she has not told the counter girl. So I have to explain to the counter girl, the window girl has my tacos and my taquito. So she gives me the bag and I look in there and there's tacos and taquito. I'm so happy. But I do at least get up the nerves to go, listen, I have to ask you. I was just at the crazy chicken over on Manchester and aviation. And they're out of breasts and wings. Can't they call you and borrow some breasts and wings and then pay you back? Can't they do that? Wouldn't that be a good management decision? And she's like, oh, no. Oh, well, you know, maybe, but not at night, you know, because we'll need it, you know, for our store. So I say, okay, well, couldn't they just go to, you know, Ralph's, which is like three blocks away and buy some chicken and sell me some chicken, cook it up crazy chicken style and then give it to me and I would pay them instead of me. Right, Because it doesn't take a college education to make chicken. I make chicken all the time. Never does my college education come into play. Right? I know, too, that if today we eat chicken, tomorrow we won't have any more chicken. So I have extensive experience in the chicken refrigeration and stocking process of an establishment that cooks and serves chicken. I cook and serve chicken a couple times a week. Right? It does not require a dissertation on Chaucer, laboratory work in a chem lab. No, it's just really chicken. Can't they just go? No, no, no. They can't do that. They can't go to the grocery store and buy chicken and then just cook chicken. It has to be crazy chicken. They can only buy They can only serve, they can only cook and serve crazy chicken. To that I say, you're crazy. So I get in my car and I go home. And I tell my family, crazy chicken is crazy. This one doesn't have chicken. The other one won't lend them chicken. The other one wouldn't even give me the tacos, the taquitos. I had to go back in and that's the whole point, the whole point. Right, if we learned nothing from Joe Pesci, it was that they F you at the drive-thru, right? And I know that, and I know that, and I know that, and I know that. So finally, we're at, you know, we have a good laugh and we move on. And my daughter's eating her taquito and her breast meat. My son's eating his tacos. I'm eating a salad that I got as a side of her multi-thing, whatever it's called, combo crazy, combo pack. And my son says, hey, dad. And I say, yes, son. And he says, where's my third taco? So, everybody's asleep, and it's really bugging me a lot that I can't place the face of this actor that I saw in music production. It's driving me crazy, because I'm really good with faces and actors and careers and things like that. Like, I was the guy, I just, I I remember faces. I don't remember a lot of, I don't remember numbers ever. Facts and figures, no, but I do remember people. I don't know why, whatever. So it's really bugging me. So everybody's asleep and I get on my laptop and I can log into the school, the Wild Winds uh, website. They have a website and on the website is the roster of your kids' uh, classes and then who they're in class with 
and all that. So what I did is I log into the website and I go under music production, music production two for Hudson's class. Because I want to find out who this actor is. Maybe if I look at the last names of the kids in the class, I can figure out who this guy is. And then I can stop thinking about it so much. So I log into the website. And I look. And first first thing I notice is the movie star's uh, kid is no longer even in the class. She or he. he oh, it's she. She must have dropped. She's not in the class anymore. Okay? She's gone. That's fine. But stupid me, right? I didn't know. And here I am waiting for him to be there, the movie star, and he's not there. Why isn't he there? Because he doesn't need, doesn't need to be there. Okay. So I go through the list of names, none of which I recognize. And I start randomly Googling their fathers. And it's a scary assortment of captains of industry, like I said. It's just like, that guy's in charge. You know what I mean? He's like, oh my God. Really? He's the CEO of that company? Or he's the chairman of this? I mean, you just, things you don't want to know. This is not making it any better. But I'm not finding this guy. I'm not. I can't find him anywhere. And I don't know what it was that triggered the epiphany. It just somehow dawned on me that he's not an actor. And that's why I couldn't remember what TV show or movie I had seen him on. He's the lead guitarist of one of the biggest rock bands in Western civilization. He is a member of what, like a huge, like I cannot overstate. Look, look, it wasn't a Beatle. I would have recognized a Beatle or a Rolling Stone, but like a Beatles Rolling Stone. And then there's like a very short list of other bands that would kind of be in that general, like, like a U2 size band. That's right. That, that level of fame, the lead guitarist was in my, I don't know if he was in the wrong section or whatever his kid, it turned. And I looked, I look, I looked it up his right. His kid, that was him. That was him. I just out of context, who expects to see a rock star? in a high school classroom. But here we are, and I'm asking my stupid questions, but that poor 31-year-old Spanish music production teacher is standing there lecturing us about, not lecturing, but you know what I mean, like, oh, rock and roll and rebellion and being young, to the guitar player of arguably one of the biggest rock bands in the history of the, the genre. Oh, my. I so wish I hadn't asked the question about the real instruments. Right? I wish I had just taken a picture. Shouldn't I have just taken a picture of them? When, isn't that what you would have done? Wouldn't you have been like a smart person and pulled out your phone, turned off the ringer? Because if you don't turn off the ringer, it'll make that phone sound. And then I could have just sat there. Because you would have, would you have been smart enough? See, now if it had been an, uh, like an actress, like a hot actress... I would have been smart enough probably to think of this, like turn off the ringer, pretend you're checking your message, look really bored, look really bored and pretend you're checking your messages and then take a little right picture of this person. So right now I would have a picture of a person like a rock star. I'm literally like 10 feet away from them in this tiny little double wide that's that serves as a classroom. I've done nothing with my life. All right, it's getting too hot. I have to order dinner. Everyone's getting hungry. Halfway through that story, my son came in to, to demand uh, dinner. Um, so, yeah, in four years, I'll tell you who that was. The level of timing and irony is unbelievable. Um, so, yeah. I'm not sure what we're going to talk about next time. I'm just glad you listened this time. Uh, this has been The Bitterest Pill, as always. I'm Dan Class, as always. And, um... Yeah. The 10th anniversary? 
is coming up really soon, November 4th. If there's a story you'd like to hear again, maybe? I don't know. Should we do that? Tell a story from the past that you remember, but it's no longer around or something? I don't know. Maybe we could do that. I feel like we should do something. Ten years of being at the mic, talking and talking. i got to start typing some of this crap up before I'm too old to type. All right, listen. Thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. Um, I enjoy your feedback. Thank those those of you that kind of wrote to say, uh, you know, welcome back. I'm too delirious, so I can't remember who you were. God, it's getting hot in here again. But um, listen, the mouse didn't come out. But we made it through the show. Uh, there you have it. So um, listen, be careful at the drive-through, and I'll talk to you uh, next week. Bye. The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media. Makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 